everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Derek, uh, we're now less than 24 hours until Kentucky tips off the 2020-21 college basketball season. Fingers crossed, because we've seen how quickly these things can change. Yeah, like you said, hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully it gets played. Um, at this point, I'm sure Moorhead State's in town by now, unless they were traveling the day of, which I guess could be a possibility in the COVID era. Typically they would be here already, staying at the hotel probably. I have no idea. You might have seen actually on Twitter or something that they're here. I, I don't know. But um, always excited for the season opener. A little bit later than normal. And, and I would say, I mean, maybe more focused this year, Sean, than in recent years on the basketball season opener. I know at Kentucky it's always a big deal, but kind of with football fading off a little bit, I, I kind of I kind of get the sense from people, at least who I talk to, that they're, they're, they're really excited for tomorrow night. Well, that's what I was actually going to ask you, if it seems like there's more excitement, you know, about the season opener. Typically, we would have the, the exhibitions, and then we'd have a couple of games that's, you know, not very good, but... And, and who knows, this one might not be close. I mean, we don't know. It could be close. We really don't know anything. Like, we're literally going into this thing blind. Uh, Cal's going into this thing blind. I don't think even he knows, you know, what he's going to get out of his guys. You know, I, I think I saw the spread tomorrow is 23 points, or maybe maybe 22. 22. I think the football spread might be 23. Yeah, 22. So, uh you feel comfortable they can get to that number, having never seen this team together? You think they can – I mean, I know Moorhead's not very good, but first game of the year and never playing together, is that, is that high? I'd, I'd stay away from it. <laughs> like, that's just uh, that's just me. And one, I'd stay away from it because you know that it's going to be sloppy. Yeah. And two, you just don't know what to expect from these guys. I mean, we've heard – you know, we, we know that B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark, we know that they're, they're studs. We know that Olivier Saar – is really good, but you don't know how those guys are going to react tomorrow night when they walk in. You have to think they've not played live basketball since their high school season for a lot of these guys. And then, too, Derek, with Keon Brooks out, there is nobody that's going to take that floor tomorrow night that took the floor in March for Kentucky. That's the that's, that's the thing that I think's kind of not really been discussed a ton is just that there's really nobody there. Uh, two, I'll ask you this. We didn't talk after – we didn't talk after Cal's presser yesterday because we recorded with Jimmy before. I want to ask you this. Cal pumped this team up a lot. He talked about Terrence Clark, talked about B.J. Boston, Olivier Saar, all these guys. Well, he was pumping the brakes pretty hard yesterday during that press conference. Do you think that that's Cal being Cal, or do you think that Sunday's sloppy scrimmage actually concerned him quite a bit? I would say mainly Cal being Cal. Um but at the same time, knowing Keon's not not going to be out there, I do think it's a legitimate thing that, uh, like you said, the last time we saw these guys was what, like March third. I don't know. Do you know the day of that Florida game? You March, might, it might be March seventh, I believe. Maybe. I'm gonna say it might be ingrained in your head because it was the last time you traveled for basketball. Like I can remember the LSU day. It says it was the last time last year when I, when the world was still normal. <laughs> the last time I it, covered a normal. It basketball. was March seventh because that Tennessee game was on Tuesday the third. I remember that. So That's March seventh. Right. Yeah, so March seventh when we saw these guys last a little over eight months ago. No one that played that game. That's what's crazy. No one that played that game in the same calendar year is going to be out there tomorrow. They, that has to be the only school, right? Maybe Auburn. Maybe Auburn has that same kind of deal where they lost so many. I know their turnover was really high as well, but that that's just insane that within that much time. And you know, I think that uh, 
Think about this, Sean. Really, it's going to be Sar is the only guy because Mintz didn't play at all last year, did he? I think no, he entered the whole season. He did. That, you're right. So Sar is the only he one as well. Yeah. So yeah. Sar was playing in March, and these other guys were all playing high school ball, or in the case of Dante Allen, traveling, doing those things. Yeah. Which weren't playing. So. Jacob Top. Jacob Top and played. That's but right. He, but how much? You know, how much do you really count that? Because I don't know how much he actually played. And especially in games, you know, at a place like Kentucky, like that's the other thing to it. I mean, it's, it's new to all these guys, Derek, and that, that's just so crazy to think that Cal left that floor that day thinking, you know, okay, they just had a really impressive comeback. They're about to go into the SEC tournament, the NCAA tournament, and the next time he takes the court with a team, nobody's there. Like it's just all new faces. That. That's the thing, too, that I just feel like that maybe that's why he's pumping the brakes a little bit is because I think he knows this team's going to be good at some point, but I think he wants to keep them grounded as well. And I'll say this, too, Derek. I'm not too concerned that they struggled in Sunday scrimmage compared to what everybody said because I've got to see that with my own eyes this year with some situations with basketball teams and things. There's a sense of beating up on yourself that you get fatigued and you get tired of practicing with the same group. Oh, yeah. I think they're I think they're just ready to play someone different. For sure, yeah, uh, I totally agree with that. You know, how much do you think it hurts these guys? That and maybe you don't think it does. I view Detroit similar, pretty much the same way I viewed Moorhead. I mean, I think that they're both two of the worst teams in their respective conferences and uh, respective conference. And it's not a, a huge deal that they're not going to get to play Detroit. So I mean, one it does sound like they do want to play that game at some point. It just isn't going to happen now. But I really viewed that as two pretty big tune-up games before playing a pretty good opponent in Richmond. So now they're only going to have that one opponent. Does that change anything for you whenever they go to play Richmond? In a way, but I think Kentucky kind of benefits too from the fact that Richmond has to play Friday night and then it's going to be a quick turnaround at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, Kentucky's going to have some tape on Richmond that I'm sure Saturday's practice will be geared toward everything that Richmond's going to do. But then again, when you have a team that's this young, I would almost trade that for 40 more minutes of basketball, 40 yeah. more minutes of situational basketball. But I think the bigger thing too, Derek, is not not necessarily the Richmond game as it is that the Kansas game next week. I think that you're losing another game prior to that, uh, that you're only – as of right now, you only get two games in. We don't know exactly what's going to happen between you hope that Richmond and everything is clear, but we saw it with Detroit. All it and it wasn't even a player. That's the thing that I that I think we need to state too. It was just a support staff member that tested positive. Uh, I don't think they had any symptoms, if I'm not mistaken, or were they symptomatic? I can't remember. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know I read the press release, but no players tested positive. But that right there shows you how fragile this thing is that it doesn't even have to be a coach or a player that tests positive. It can be anybody that's involved with that basketball team. So let's say that one of these managers or someone who's support staff at UK tests positive, the whole program shut down. Yeah. I mean, it's a very tricky thing to balance. This is going to be a extremely difficult season to get through. How, how does the NCAA weigh this stuff, though, when it comes to seeding for the tournament? Like, if these games don't get made up, like, how do you make up? Like, let's say, for instance, just throwing this out there, Kentucky loses the Richmond game Sunday due to COVID. How do you make that game up at some point? Like, where do you fit it in? We need to get someone from UK on the line. Tell us how this is going to work, don't we? 
We do because, because uh, it's just. But you're seeing it right now too with Tennessee down, uh, Ole Miss is down, Florida. You know, is, is, I believe is, Ole Miss is done until December seventh, right? I think that's they like are. They're getting back, so that's a few weeks. I what mean, What is that? What does that do to your rhythm, though? Like that's the thing. Like, I mean, here you're going to get a two. Like Tennessee lost the game with Gonzaga. I mean, that was number one versus I think preseason number twelve. 12. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge game. You think at some point they might make that up? I haven't read anywhere on anything right now. It just kind of kind of seems like it's just a tricky step by step. You're just trying to make it day by day. Uh, but you know that has to hurt. That has to hurt some of these teams that they're not going to be taking the floor. I like to think folks are going to be understanding of the situations this year, but I also kind of think that Mitch Barnhart probably has the worst year in NCAA history to have to be the spokesman for the NCAA tournament. <laughs> this year yeah. because he's got to answer some questions that just projecting far ahead. He will probably have to come up with some explanations that might not make complete sense to everybody. And he has to go out there and kind of sell that. So full bad for Mitch, obviously a very, uh, a man with plenty of integrity, but uh, he's in a bad spot this year because I have no idea how they're going to weigh these resumes, how they're going to do things. I saw a, a string of tweets today. and I, I'm not going to read them all out, but it's from Mike Rutherford. And, uh, I agreed with Mike. Basically, his his long gist was that uh, it's going to be a, a huge struggle to get through this season. They're going to find a way, though, to get to the NCAA tournament, and the NCAA tournament is going to be very exciting, and that is what people will remember, and they'll kind of forget everything that happened before. Yep. So would you agree with that? I, I do agree with that uh, because I think that that's the goal, Derek, is if even if – let's say that we play – I mean, this, the team has how, how many how many games do these teams have scheduled? Is it twenty four, twenty five, somewhere through there? I think it's twenty seven. Okay, uh, playing twenty seven now. <laughs> I don't think I don't think they're going to play twenty seven games. Like I'm just going to throw that out there. Like I just don't see it happening. I would put here's my thing: if they play fifteen games under the current protocol, that's all I'm talking about. If they play fifteen games, I think it's going to be a miracle. I honestly do. Just because with contact tracing and everything, now the CDC and everything, I saw that today that they're looking at maybe adjusting some of those protocols and shortening the contact tracing period. I think it was was it seven to ten days? Is that what? Have you seen that pop up today? Yeah, they're trying to reduce it to that. Yeah, to the fourteen, yeah. which would definitely impact these teams significantly because then you're not shutting down for fourteen days for your program, but. I just don't know how you weigh the seating part of this. But I also told you this the other day that someone close to UK, their message to me on the phone the other day was we had the I have been we've been told the NCAA tournament it has to be played. Yeah, like there is no way that they can eat that again, and they're that's why you're seeing kind of no one near the floor. You're seeing photographers in the upper level of Rupp Arena tomorrow night because you can't have. You know, people having access to this team or any of the teams because it, they have to make it to March or April or May, whenever this thing's played. So I ask you this: Do you what do you think about Rick Pitino and what he's saying that this thing needs to be pushed back, even if the tournament's played in May? I think Rick's idea makes sense, but it's also putting a lot of faith that things will be significantly better. What just two months after the season? So the way he has it was like finishing up in May, right, versus yeah. March. I'm not to the point where I'm convinced that it'll be that much better. I don't think Rick. I don't think it's a bad idea either way. I mean, with this kind of virus, none of us can 100% say what the right thing is. It doesn't seem like they're considering Rick's idea. 
at least that's the way I, I've no. taken things. Um, I, I just, if you're going off the logic that getting to the NCAA tournament is the most important thing and having it, then honestly, no, I don't think it makes that much sense to change it because the tournament is actually the only thing that I have quite a bit of confidence in because they're actually going to do a bubble. Yeah. And they're going to take some time to get that thing right. Yeah. So everything should be pretty smooth. I mean, you might have something flare up here or there, but for the most part, it's going to be much different than how the regular season unfolds because you'll have cancellations all over the place during the season. But once you get all those teams to the bubble, in theory, if you look at how the NBA worked, it should be pretty secure. It should be a good thing. And you should, should have some pretty good basketball. So I hope that makes sense. What I'm trying to say is it I does. think – the end, the end result, whether it's March or May, if you're just trying to get to that point, it shouldn't really matter when it happens. No, but I don't disagree with Rick, though, that it will be a complete mess. Let's, it, just, let's just be real well, with ourselves. Expect that if you're a U.K. fan. Expect that if you're a college basketball fan. You might schedule, you know, it might be – let's say right now it's Tuesday night. Let's say you, you plan to watch a game on Thursday. Well, you might wake up Thursday morning, and that game might just be off. Yeah. So you have to get used to that because it could end – I mean, honestly, Sean, like, this game could still get canceled tomorrow, right? Like, theoretically, I think it could still – Maybe the testing's well, done by now. That's uh, what what comes back tomorrow morning, like if they took a test yeah. today at any point. And we don't know that exact schedule. Uh, but Rick's thing, I think, is, you know, save the regular season and everything. But also, I understand what you're saying, too. We don't know. Cal has said this multiple times. The virus controls us. We don't control the virus. And there's no truer words than that. Like, you're seeing that now. Uh, I just... I'm hoping this thing gets played, Derek, but I'm starting to wonder, too, do we see a situation where this thing gets ugly here for the first three, four weeks of the season and the SEC decides to tear it all down and look at maybe podding these teams together for, like, two weeks and just play? Because I've always thought that that was the best idea, is you take a a group of four or five teams and put them in a pod and you let them kind of play like a round robin for two weeks or do something like that. Like, they pass testing to get in, and then you just keep them in that same area. I, I know money is a big thing, but if we're wanting to get to that point and play this as normal as possible, how in the world are we going to get through this with these teams like Kentucky traveling to, let's just say, Florida or traveling to Texas A&M or something like that? I don't know how we're going to make it through this. Yeah, I mean, if these kids aren't taking in-person classes anyway, you can already kind of – because wasn't that the whole concern about football was the whole, yeah. uh, these are students, you can't just, you know, move them into a hotel because they're students. See, they're not just athletes. Well, but, uh, I mean, I guess if you just – I think your idea makes sense to just put four teams at a location, play those games. And, and I've had people talk to me and say, why are we concerned about this? Football's made it work. Well, here's the difference. Football's outside. Two, football has a roster full of bodies that you can kind of keep away. If this happens in basketball, the whole team's wiped out. I mean, yeah, football, I mean, you can be down, what, 20, 20 something players, or, or no, 30, because you have 85 scholarships and you just have to have 53. You have to meet the thresholds per position, but you can be down quite a few players in football. Well, You're right. I mean, so with basketball, it kind of seems like if one person gets it, everybody's kind of screwed, right? Uh, I mean, that's what I'm taking. Well, here's the thing like, Saturday at Alabama. Kentucky didn't have Chris Rodriguez. They didn't have Jamin Davis. They didn't have Max Duffy. I mean, there were a lot of names on that list that you looked at, and you're like, that's a significant difference. They're not going to be on the field. Let's say that's Terrence Clark and Olivier Saar or Davion Mintz. I mean, what are you going to do? 
like that's the thing like and it's if it's all contact tracing uh i don't know how they're going to navigate it i know one thing that i'm just excited that we actually get to watch it tomorrow night because i didn't i was questioning whether we'd get to this point uh now that we're here uh, knock on wood hopefully this game gets played tomorrow but the thing is derek i think that we're at a point where when you wake up on game day just because it's noon and you play at 8 o'clock doesn't mean you're getting to 8 o'clock. Like, you kind of have to hold your breath all the way up until right before the teams, you know, arrive at the facility to take the floor. I mean, you saw it with Florida State and Clemson Saturday. I mean, Florida Clemson was at in Tallahassee. They were. Tomorrow's game is at 8 or 6? 6. I was just giving an example. Like, if you play at 8 o'clock and you wake up at noon – and you know everything you think today. I was going to show up late. <laughs> no, no, I, I was just making pretty much just throwing something out. Like just if you if you wake up and think that you're going to make it to the end of the day, and then something happens. Uh, and I'm not. We're not trying to be pessimistic. I just think that we're watching all this around college basketball right now just unfold. I mean, John Rothstein, Jeff Goodman, they're tweeting out a program being shut down. It seems like every half hour. And and I think for football, I think they they hit their ninetieth. Cancel. I think I saw Ross Dellinger tweet that. I think 90 cancellations now. And, and that's what I'm getting at, is I want people to understand that there's no teams going to make it through this season, Derek, without a postponement or a cancellation. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it's already happened for UK and for a lot of programs. Uh, Sean, I guess just before we move on to a little bit, a couple of football topics I want to hit, but uh, I guess just go ahead and give us kind of how you see tomorrow playing out. Surely you expect a Kentucky win, but more, more than that, anybody you think that stands out, just any predictions you have for tomorrow? I just think it's so hard just going off of, you know, what we've seen in Pro Day and, you know, really nothing in Big Blue Madness usually would have the exhibitions to go off of. But, I mean, the projected starting lineup today in the game notes was Devin Askew, Terrence Clark, B.J. Boston, Isaiah Jackson, Olivier Saar. That's, I think that's the lineup, Derek, that we've kind of been under the assumption for the last two and a half weeks was going to be the starting lineup. Um, I'm interested in seeing how those freshman wings play. I think Olivier Saar is going to be the guy that stands out tomorrow night. I think he'll look the best, and I look for Kentucky to kind of play through him early just to get those younger guys you know, comfortable. Uh, point guard play, of course, we've made a big deal about that. Uh, I want to know who's getting the minutes when the game, if the game's kind of in, not in, you know, if it's close game at some point tomorrow night. I want to pay attention to the rotation. I think Cal's going to play a lot of guys. I think that's going to be the thing that's, you know, uncharacteristic about tomorrow night is I think you're going to see, honestly, Derek, I think maybe 10, I think 11 guys might play tomorrow night just because he doesn't know what he has and I think that he's going to want to look at Dante Allen he's going to want to look at Jacob Topp and uh, all these guys I just I think that you're going to see a lot of guys getting floor time that you typically wouldn't see Uh, now that could change Sunday against Richmond I think the rotation might shorten a little bit especially by the time they get to Kansas next week but I would I would probably say I think Kentucky wins this game somewhere between 14 and 20 points. I don't think it gets to the line. I think it might be a little bit closer. I think just given that these this team has not played college basketball, they've not played together, and there's no experience coming back. Like, there's no one that wore a Kentucky jersey last year. I just don't – now, that's not to say this team doesn't come out and just look like an absolute juggernaut tomorrow night and drill more at state, but I just think that there's so many unknowns. I would say expect a lot of guys to struggle. But 
Derek, we've seen it multiple times. I wouldn't put too much weight into the first game, regardless of whether they look great or whether they look bad, just because it's the first game. I would I would give it a few weeks. I totally agree with you. Pretty much on all those things. I, I think it might be. Uh, I don't want to say tight, but I don't know. I don't think it'll ever be in doubt, but I don't know if it'll ever reach the point of a blowout, like a serious blowout. I mean, twenty points is a blowout, but not. I don't think I'd be stunned if they won by any more than twenty five. Honestly, but I want to see their execution. Is what I want to see. Do they execute? Like I want. I'm not going to be able, like we're going to watch the game live. We'll be there. I want to watch it again before, you know, I give some takes and stuff after the game. But I want to see the execution. And and I feel like, honestly, even though Askew's starting right now, I think they're going to execute more and better with Mintz on the floor. So I want to see what he does. I want to see, do we see Davion Mintz and Devin Askew together? Do we see, you know, four wings and Sar? Do we see them go big? Which we won't get to see that typical lineup that I'm talking about without Keon Brooks where they would go Keon at the three with Isaiah Jackson and Sar at the four or five. Uh, I just want to kind of see how he mixes his rotations. We've heard all this talk about their length. Do we see zone? And the next thing is, do we only see it for like one or two possessions? I, I kind of want to see them get into a spot where they look at it, you know, for an extended period of time or mix it in. Because I've always wanted Cal to mix in some zone instead of just playing man-to-man all the time. I like to see that. As much as he's talked about it, Derek, I don't know if I believe him when he says he's going to play zone. Uh, but if there's a Kentucky team that I think that could do it, I think it's this team. And as young as they are, I think it would make sense. I expect them to have a lot of defensive breakdowns in pick and roll early this season, just given how young they are, that I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they tried to switch everything, which is usually what they do when they have length. Uh, but those some of those breakdowns, I think you might see Cal go to zone, but if you get to that point, it's because they can't guard anybody. Yeah, it's always the last resort for him. Obviously, he wants them to learn to play man-to-man and, and be good at it because, obviously, in the NBA, that's what they're going to have uh, to face. But moving over to football, Sean, there are two things I want to talk about, and then we'll uh, call it a night. First, let's stick with UK. And I, and I, I changed my mind a little bit. Even you don't know this, I don't think, because I don't think we've talked about it. I... I have softened my stance a little bit on the criticism of the offense. and I didn't know about this. I, I've, I've thought about it a little bit. And I'm not saying that Eddie Grant and those guys don't deserve any – anybody who wants to criticize those guys, I'm fine with, as long as it's placed in reason. And, and I think what we started to see yesterday from Stoops in his press conference is he is really trying to balance, I think, right now, not wanting to look like he's making excuses – versus things that, that are happening and have happened in the program that, that would legitimately uh, be things that could harm development. And what I mean by that is he, he told us yesterday that since the Tennessee game, and I, and I assume he's including John Schlarman in this, excuse me, but since the Tennessee game, he's been down two or three offensive staff members the whole time. So I just think that this has been – and that was even before you had some guys missing for COVID, like last weekend on the offense. Obviously not having Rodriguez is a big deal. But um, what I'm trying to get at, for, for one, kind of he still deserves blame. There's no excuse for being as bad as they've been. But I can also see where this year, not only is it really tough probably to develop a game plan whenever you have some coaches down, it's probably been harder to develop some positions too and get everything done in practice that you want whenever you don't have your full-time guys there 
helping with them. And again, you, people, people can argue that other schools are having to deal with the same thing. You don't, they're not wrong if that's your stance you take. I guess what I'm just trying to rationalize, though, is I don't think Eddie Grant's going anywhere after the season anyway. And I think Stoops uh, has a lot of appreciation for Eddie, probably views – I mean, let's just be real. Whenever Eddie got here, they started winning. So I would say in Stoops' mind, he probably feels like he owes Eddie quite a bit. So I don't think he's going anywhere. And then I think uh, I think they've actually have had some things go against them. But to, to wrap it up before I get your thoughts, I guess the one area you can, you can blame him is, is the recruiting. The guys that he and Henshaw signed, they – They've not really panned out for the most part, and I think that's a legitimate place to criticize him Those. more than some of the other stuff because uh, it's just been a tough year for everybody. It's not it's not a real football season, let's be honest. It's not. It's not a real football season. Um, you hope you can get some good things out of it, but I'm not so sure that they have, and uh, I'm willing to uh, kind of take a step back, and I want to see what kind of changes they make. I do think that they've done a good enough job that we people should owe it to them to at least give them a chance to fix it. Now, if it's the same deal next year, if they're just as bad, go ahead, go for it. But as of now, yeah, Sean, I think uh, I'm going to take a step back from where I was on Saturday night. Well, and I'll say this too. Uh, Justin Rowan in Cats Illustrated, I thought he wrote a really good piece yesterday about that Stoops has kind of earned the time to yeah. fix it. He has. I, I 110% agree with Justin that Stoops has definitely earned that. I mean, when you've done what he's done at a place like Kentucky – uh, turn them into a winner, Derek. I, I think that he deserves that even if he decides that Grant is the guy next year, I think you kind of have to trust him and you have to give him. And then I think if it doesn't work out, then he has to make the hard decisions. Uh, I'm with you, though. I think this team has been through so much. I think before the trip to Missouri, Derek, I think that they saw the end for John Schlarman. Yeah. I think that they sensed that it was coming. I, I tell, I've told on this podcast multiple times now that – I told you in the press box that day at Tennessee that I started talking about. It. I said we're going to have to write about his passing at some point. I just you could feel it, like you could just see it that it was, you know, the clock was ticking. And I just think that they've had a lot on their mind, honestly. Uh, the pandemic and stuff, you know, not having the full spring, not having a normal summer. That's no, and I know that's no excuse. Every program's in this situation. But Stoops said it best yesterday. Look at how many teams around the SEC are struggling. Three wins, yeah, yeah. lots of teams. I mean, it's not like that Kentucky's the only one. Uh, two, you have a program in Missouri with a first-year head coach who's looking better than Kentucky. Derek, I don't think that that's going to be the case next year. I don't think that Missouri's in a better spot as a program than Kentucky. Like, I just think that you kind of throw in some weird things that's happened. I don't think Ole Miss is in a better spot than Kentucky. But yeah. I just – I'm with you. I'm, I've kind of backed off of it, too. I think my biggest thing is, like you said, the guys that they've recruited at those skill positions, let's face it, that's not Power 5 talent no. across the board. It's not. There's a couple guys that are good enough to play Power 5, but not to be the top two receivers on a Power 5 team, especially in the SEC. And my biggest question, too, I think, quarterback development. I want to Like how much has Terry Wilson developed since his first year? I want to pay attention to that. Like, I think you have really good pieces there to develop. And, you know, that's, that's all falls on Darren Henshaw. Yeah. What I want to see and what I think Soup's can earn some – I totally agree with you. Anybody who's – I've seen on some of the message boards, anyone who's saying, like – Stoops, like, does he deserve more time? That's just not reality. Of course, he, I mean, Stoops is not going anywhere. Uh, 
whenever I don't have a problem, like I, I know I just said that I've taken a step back, but like realistically, whenever you have the worst offense in the SEC, like there are going to be people naturally calling for your job, especially five years in. So I don't think those people are crazy for talking and speculating that maybe Eddie uh, might be gone or that a change might be needed. I just don't see Stoops going that direction. So that leads me to the point that I want to see them, one, make sure you sign these kids you have committed, the wide receivers in particular. and then Christian Jack, Lewis. Of course. Like Christian Lewis. And you Dick see his Talk profile about. picture? Uh, no. Uh, it, on Twitter, he was he was going up and getting a jump ball, and the defender, the DB, was nowhere near him. Like Okay, yeah, just just pulled that up. In, yeah. in, that, in that picture alone, Derek, uh, he might play next year. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's an outside receiver. They need outside receivers. I think there's a very good chance Christian Lewis plays a lot next year. Get those guys signed. The transfer waiver is going to pass in January. You're going to have a little window there. Well, maybe not in January because obviously kids are going to be enrolling in the schools. But either way, by by the start of next season, I, I want to see them add a couple of transfer wide receivers to this group. Kids who can help them right away next year. I think. I think that room is in that serious need of an overhaul that you need a lot of fresh blood. And then two, um, I would make it a strong point to try to recruit Josh Ali back for another season. I don't know Absolutely. if Josh is going to want to do that. I think if you want to try to turn this thing around somewhat quickly, and even then I don't think it's going to be a, an instant turnaround, but th- you've got to get some pieces in there to even have a shot at that. And I think that's some things that they need to do. And if that happens and you can solidify the QB spot with either Bo or Joey, I would guess Bo Allen, but for what they're wanting to do, those, Bo Allen. Yeah, and I just think if you make a commitment to it, you know, act like you have. Uh, I guess what people want to see is that Stoops recognizes that they can't really continue on with this kind of passing game, and Stoops isn't an idiot. I don't know what he'll say publicly, but I have to imagine he knows that things have to change. Yeah. So those are some things I want to see, and if he does that, I think there will be a, kind of a grace period here for him, and I think depending on who they can get in here, you might even have a little bit of excitement going into next year as to what they can be. Well, so that's kind of where I stand on it now. Well, and, and I don't want to, I don't want anyone that's listening to this podcast to think that I was throwing Darren uh, Henshaw under the bus or anything for quarterback development. I think he'd done a really good job with Steven Johnson and things, but I'm just saying if they're going to throw the ball more, I think that his impact and his job kind of moves to the forefront a little bit more too, Derek when it comes to developing quarterbacks and developing a passing game, I think it all goes hand in hand with what he and Eddie do together. Yeah. You know, those two have been to, you know, attached to the hips in Cincinnati. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I'm going to be curious to see how they play it, but I do think that they recognize, I mean, obviously, even if you're a run first team, you can't be this bad passing the ball. And you talked about the no spring, basically no spring, Terry wasn't going to have a spring either way. He wasn't. Uh, and then no summer, really. So you have a quarterback coming off an injury who didn't get to develop last year. So you basically had no development at quarterback. Those wide receivers didn't get to play at all basically last year after the fourth or fifth game of the season. And uh, then they we, didn't get the spring. So We should have I, seen this coming, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's worse than even I would have expected, honestly. I, I didn't think it would be this bad. I mean, they, they kind of look helpless. Well, that's kind of the weird thing is I went and watched some of the highlights today from the Alabama game. Oh, sorry about the jar uh, going off in the background. But, uh, You're good. Um, no, like they, they had some good schemes. I mean, Keaton Upshaw is, I mean, he might be, the, unless Josh comes back, then he might be their best target. 
going into the next season. Yeah. So, he, uh, he's a guy that I think developed nicely this year. Yes. Yeah, like, he's the second leading receiver in terms and, of yardage. And we year. will go back after the South Carolina game, you know, after maybe after the bowl season, and we will look and we will pick some things that, that we thought, you know, were positive, some guys that we thought moved forward, some guys that we think, you know, didn't take a step forward. Uh, we'll kind of evaluate all that. Derek, one more thing on Kentucky football before we move along. I want to ask you, what did you think about Dingle's brother, Justice Dingle, going into the transfer portal today? from uh from yeah. Georgia Tech. I mean, I I think all signs point towards Kentucky. Wouldn't you assume that they're going to target him? Feels like um that was worked out some, you know what I mean? Like I think just or Jordan, sorry. I'm going to get those too confused. Jordan committing to Kentucky, I think uh Justice is a you know, he needs to be in a 3-4 defense and and Georgia Tech moved away from that. And if he comes to Kentucky, he can get back into the defense that he needs to be. So I I do think signs would point towards him being at UK. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I forgot about that and I wanted to mention it. But the topic I wanted to get to tonight, now that we got the UK stuff out of the way, something of you know kind of great relevance to Kentucky football is uh, Scott Satterfield uh, reportedly, according to The Athletic, um, has an interview scheduled. I, don't, I can't remember if I saw the date. Basically, he has an in-person interview scheduled with South Carolina. And uh, on the 24-7 side, of course, for our work, the, our South Carolina side is reporting, Sean, that the president at South Carolina apparently has Satterfield as his number one target right now. That's his favorite as of now. And you know how coaching changes are. Things can change. But I think this is a little bit more than just a coach trying to get a raise, Sean. I kind of get the sense that Satterfield really wants his job. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, you and I had talked about this on the phone back when uh, before Will Muschamp was fired. I, did we talk about it on this podcast at all? Did you mention Satterfield possibly as a name to watch at South Carolina? I think you might have. Maybe, but I don't remember. <laughs> I, I know you've said it to me at some point. I just yeah. couldn't remember if it was on uh, public airwaves or not. But uh, definitely interesting. And, I mean, here's the thing. Like, is the only Satterfield game against Kentucky, what, the last couple of years? Because we might not see it again. Uh, like as far as Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, possibly. This, this is just kind of a strange deal, though, to me. Um, and while I say that is I can't imagine Satterfield would be angling for a raise this year for two reasons. One, his team is not very good. I think they're three and six. And two, every athletic department is struggling pretty bad uh, with the pandemic. I would imagine that's just a terrible look to try to be getting a raise right now while there are people being laid off at the University of Louisville who work in the athletic department. And that's why I think just, like, logically, there's no way he's doing this just because he wants a raise, right? Like, he's got to do it because he he might feel like – I mean, he's a guy from the Carolinas. He might feel like it's just a more natural spot where he can succeed. Yeah, that, that, that's what I'm going with, too. Is, is that a job, though, that you think that – how do you feel? Like, let's say he goes to South Carolina – is you know, we've talked about South Carolina kind of being a sleeping juggernaut in the SEC East, kind of a program that, just given geographical location and everything that they have, that should be better than Kentucky, should be easier to be better than Kentucky if you get the right guy. Mm-hmm. Would Satterfield scare you at South Carolina, though? He's never recruited at a high enough level that would really worry me. Um, matter of fact, I think you would be happy with that hire for Kentucky, depending on who Louisville hired. And I don't really – I mean, Louisville might kind of go the same route as Satterfield. They might try to get that group of five, a good coach emerging from there to come there. I don't, I don't really know. I guess we'll cross that bridge. So, 
if it gets to that point. So I'll ask you this. Put your Kentucky fan hat on here for the fans that listen to the show. Would you rather Satterfield stay at Louisville, or would you rather Satterfield go to South Carolina if you if you were a Kentucky fan? Let's say for five years, if you can give the next five years, what do you think is better for Kentucky football, for him to be in Louisville or for him to be at South Carolina? That's a hard question. I mean, I think a lot of it depends on who Louisville hires. I can't imagine Louisville. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think with Jeff Brom's contract that's even going to be a thing. I mean, maybe it would be. But, like, if Louisville got Jeff Brom, that's just throwing a name out there. Like I said, he might not have not looked at his contract. I know he signed a huge deal at Purdue. Maybe that's not even a thing. But, like, I think Jeff Brom would affect Kentucky football much more than Satterfield has at Louisville. I mean, this Louisville basically, like, doesn't even recruit the state hardly. They don't really get any kids at all, whereas – and maybe Brom's uh, – his star has maybe diminished a little bit too, though, versus where we were in 2018 talking about this. So maybe – I think, like, if – I know there are some fans who care very, 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 very much about beating Louisville. So they, they would want – if they don't think he's very good, of course they would rather – they would get more enjoyment, I guess, out of beating Louisville versus beating South Carolina. So I could see where those fans would – would maybe want Scott to stay if they don't think he's very good. I, I don't personally, and this is not any hate towards Scott Satterfield, I think Scott did a great job last year with what he did at Louisville. I, I don't think that's a great hire, though, for South Carolina. Like, I just, I'm telling you, the recruiting piece of that, I, he would have to hire a staff that, you know, could really get out there and get kids because whenever he went to Louisville, he brought a lot of his, I mean, he did hire a few guys from Power 5 schools, but he brought several of his coaches that he knew from Appalachian State. And uh, they've not really recruited, even even at an ACC level, they've not really recruited well enough that would make you think they can even challenge for that league. So I would be – I think that's a hard sell for South Carolina, honestly, to hire a coach who is – if you give the preseason expectations, has underachieved this year. Yeah. But um, basically, like, like you said, when we talked about kind of what South Carolina can be, Satterfield doesn't worry me to the extent that uh, – you would be penciling that down as a potential loss for Kentucky every single season by any means. But on that front, though, I don't think any of those names involved in South Carolina's coaching search would do that either, though. I mean, none of these names. I mean, honestly, given the list that they have, Satterfield, I can see why he would be appealing to them because a couple of those guys don't have head coaching experience who they're targeting, and then some of the others aren't proven commodities at the Power 5 level. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. You know, I I called him a sleeping juggernaut. I'm not talking in a sense of – college football playoff contender, but I'm talking a consistent nine-game winner in the SEC. I, I Furrier showed what you can do there. Exactly. Um, you can compete and you can win the East once or twice every decade. Uh, I think, honestly, Derek, I think South Carolina under Spurrier is kind of what Mark Stoops and would like to get Kentucky to, to that point, to where you win the East or you compete for the East a couple of times, two or three times every decade. Honestly, that would be. I think that would be the perfect – Comparison or what Missouri did, you know, early on when they moved to the SEC, if, if that could, if Kentucky could get to that level. Uh, but you know, that kind of covers everything today. It was kind of a busy day on on that front. Some news on the football front tonight with with Satterfield, but we'll have to wait and see exactly what happens with that. Uh, but Derek, I don't think there's anything else to add, so let's go ahead and just plug the Butcher's Pub. Uh, two locations, one in Palmville. And one in Williamsburg, Kentucky. If you all follow me on Twitter, you saw that I had the buffalo chicken sandwich last night. I got it curbside uh, delivery there or takeout. So I called. Just call either one of those locations. It took 20 minutes, Derek. 
and they had uh, three buffalo chicken sandwiches out to me. I, I got them for two other people too. So uh, definitely make sure you're taking care of your locally owned restaurants. Those small town restaurants like the Butcher's Pub, get out there, order the, the entire menus available, the burgers, the wings, the buffalo chicken sandwich, all of it. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. Uh, but Derek, I guess we'll have our first basketball recap tomorrow. We will, and then uh, I don't. I don't guess we'll do anything on Thanksgiving Day. So uh, we'll throw in all of our, you know, want people to have a good Thanksgiving and everything tomorrow. But yeah, look for a. Uh, do you want to promise a post game recap? I don't really know how the setup's going to be tomorrow, honestly. Well, so I'm I'm going to be on the road, but I I don't care to you know if we can make it work. So if, if you all are listening, we're, we'll do our best to get a post-game show, even if you get it, let's say, Friday morning or something. Like, let's say that it's not up immediately yeah. after the game, because obviously we're both kind of navigating something new this year. We don't know what the setup's going to be like, how interviews are going to go, what our time frame is going to be like after games. But we will definitely get some type of reaction, Derek, even if I'm driving. I don't care to do 10 minutes just to kind of recap what happened, yeah. but... Uh, We'll, I'll tweet that information out tomorrow to let everyone know. I will say this, too. I'm working on an interview with Nick Richards. We were planning to do that this week and air it on Thanksgiving Day, but that that's not going to work out. Uh, we actually are trying to fit it in now next week, so be ready to hear from Nick Richards on the show. I do have it approved. Uh, we just have to get a day confirmed, so we thought it would be cool to bring Nick on uh, for this. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to that, Derek. Yeah, I am too. It's been a minute since I've talked to Nick. Uh, certainly not since he's been drafted. But like Sean said, we appreciate you guys listening and uh, hope you guys enjoy watching Kentucky basketball tomorrow night. And we'll be back on uh, either Wednesday night or Thursday with an episode. So thank you uh, for listening to Kentucky Daily. Yep, we'll catch you next time.